It's the story that's ignited fierce passions across the nation as allegations of racism and miscarriage of justice tear apart a small Florida town. Three weeks ago, Trayvon Martin, an unarmed black teenager, was shot down by a white neighborhood watchman who claimed self-defense. Firestorm of controversy swirling around the death of 28-year-old African-American woman. Officials say Sandra Bland was found hanging in her Texas jail cell three days after being arrested during a traffic stop on her way to a brand new job. Later this morning, a funeral is going to be held in Oakland for Nia Wilson. She's the young woman fatally stabbed at the MacArthur BART station last month. ABC 7 News reporter Amy Hollyfield is joining us now from the newsroom with a look ahead. crazy to think that there are deaths of people in the world that can have such a profound impact on your life, even though you've never met them. You feel connected to them for whatever cosmic reason there is. For better or for worse, their deaths can change everything for you and for me, the deaths of Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland, and Nia Wilson have largely inspired this project. On today's episode... We're going to dive deeper into where this whole thing started and what I'm hoping to uncover along the way. But before diving into the blueprints of local change agents that challenge the status quo, we're going to kick off the conversation with someone that's been rocking with me since the very beginning. With that being said, welcome to The Audacity Project. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first installment of The Audacity Project, a community archival project where I isolate audacity as the X factor for local community change agents that ended up challenging the status quo. I'm your host, Adrian Abrams, and I don't know how you got here, whether it was through organic, whether it was through social media, whether it was through ads, but I'm ever so glad that you came. Um, on this project, again, I isolate audacity as an X factor and what audacity means is the willingness to take bold risks and really live life without fear. Uh, this concept for me was sort of derived from learning about Angela Duckworth's concept of grit and how that's uh, one of the biggest outcomes and, and determinations for one's success in life. And while I certainly understand the credence to her uh, research and what that has done for the educational community, um, I would argue that audacity is just as, if not even more important uh, than grit when it comes down to, uh, again, that willingness, that leap to live life outside of the social boundaries that have sort of been set forth for us. Now, at this point, you might be wondering, what is the significance behind the three aforementioned clips of Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland, and Nia Wilson? Well, sometimes in order to help me define things in terms of what they are, I like to look at the antithesis and, and look at them and define them in terms of what they are not. In those three instances, those are very personal um very personal 
historical moments in time for me that have largely inspired this project. So in the case of Trayvon Martin, I, I vividly remember my sophomore year in high school uh, when, when the case broke out, it was getting a lot of media attention. We were trying to figure out like what was going on and, and what have you. And I remember at school, a lot of the students, a lot of the black students were like, we're going to put our hoods up. We're going to wear them in school, even though that was against school policy. At my school, even though that there was a sizable black population, um, I found myself pretty much isolated in a lot of in a lot of advanced class and in a lot of honors classes surrounded by my non-black peers. And in that moment that everyone decided to come to school with their hoodies up, even though it was against school policy, I saw them doing it, but it, it was my lack of audacity that didn't allow me to do it. Um, and, and I reflect back on that moment. I'm just like, why... Why in the world would I not have shown solidarity with, with my people? Why would I not have been able to, to take that stand and, and, and participate in that form of protest? Um, and, and there are a lot of factors that led into it. One, uh, still, still going to, uh, through respectability politics at that time and thinking that, well, if I'm in these classes, like I have to act a certain way, I have to abide by a certain... Uh, sort of definition or, or a certain uh, playbook, if you will, in order to gain respect from my non-black peers. Um, t plot twist, that's false. <laughs> uh, have come to find out later on that that is false. Um, so, but, but that was one of the leading factors. And as in, in that instance of, of that lack of audacity, um, I, I reflect back on it because I think about the missed opportunity that I had just because it, I think it could have been more, even more powerful having folks across different educational lines that are still showing solidarity for uh, this young man that was, that, that was unfairly targeted, that was taken away from us. And as such, uh, I, I reflect back on that moment because I never want to be in that moment again where I I willingly choose not to stand with my people because of how I think everyone else might look at me. And so in that in that same vein, I, I keep in mind audacity. It's the willingness to take bold risks. For me, that would have been a very, very bold risk, but a very, very bold risk, but it would have been the right risk to to take because that ultimately that's what's the most important for me. Now, thinking about Sandra Bland, that happened in 2015. And something a lot of people don't know is Sandra Bland actually went to my high school. She has, uh, or she was rather a part of many, many similar orgs that I was a part of national honor society. She was on the track and field team, um, cheerleading, like thing, things of that nature. Um, 
And I, I remember vividly seeing the news that was circulating going to, to Twitter at that time and, and again, seeing the buzz that was rallied around it. And when I was scrolling through trying to figure out, okay, like what's going on? Like this is another instance of police brutality. Um, try, trying to do my research in that sense. And then I and then I see that she's she graduated from my high school. And so naturally that that if if I had any cognitive dissonance at that time, it definitely went out the door because it, it kind of grounds you and, and helps you understand that like injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I it easily could have been me if the situations and, and the circumstances just fell towards a dynamic and, and fell towards a way that led toward that that led to cross paths with me. Um so it's tough in that sense because at that moment I decided to tweet at my principal. Uh and, and the reason why I tweeted at my principal is because I wanted there to be a tribute of sorts, um, something that went around to let our alumni community know that the school stands in solidarity. We understand that this is an extreme instance of police brutality. However, we want to let people know where we stand. And so I tweeted at him initially. So I would say that that was an initial audacious uh, step, but I ended up deleting that tweet because I was afraid of of the potential ramifications. Uh, from there, it's what ramifications could there have been? I, I don't exactly know. But at that time, I I was afraid to to sort of own my truth, stand in my truth, defend my truth. And. Again, it was another uh, instance of, of the lack of audacity that I had um, that I think back to and reflect on to this day where it's just like it. I, I can't dictate outcomes. I, I can't really control that, but I can certainly control my inputs. And if I feel something, if I strongly know something in my heart, I need to stand by that. And so that's another instance where my lack of audacity did not allow me to show up and show off from my community the way that I wanted to. And lastly, but certainly not least, this this leads me to um, the the death of Nia Wilson. And Nia Wilson, in comparison to the aforementioned two, um, I, I'm not exactly sure how much national coverage was given uh, to to Nia Wilson, but if for those of you that don't know, uh, she was attacked by uh, a, a white man on the public transit out here in the Bay Area uh, last last year, like during the summer in 2019 or 2018. I'm sorry. And during that time. It, 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 it was very troubling because she was attacked on the public transit. So on the BART line, for those of you that are familiar with the Bay Area and it was very, very troubling because not only do I take that that public transit line all the time and it forced me to be aware of my surroundings, but I also had a, a, a black female friend that was traveling on the same line the same time that night. 
And so now I'm when it happened, it it was just like, like, yo. Again, there there is no dissonance here. There is no cognitive dissonance like this easily could have uh, been her. And. And in that moment, it's like I got to work. No one really knew. No one really cared. I'm trying to do as much research as I can about it. But uh, again, this is another instance where our stories and our lives are not making it to the mainstream media, let alone if it does make it to any form of media, they decide to use unflattering pictures of her or very deceptive imagery uh, that can taint the image that they want to portray of her, this young 18-year-old black girl. Um, and, and it was very disheartening. It was very off-putting. But I was stuck in between a rock and a hard place because I wanted to I wanted to, to take those steps to to have that audacity to to be up able to show up and show out for my community be able to attend the protests the rallies anything of that nature just doing what i can to stand in solidarity uh but i I was transitioning to adulthood transitioning to a new job and and the lack of audacity was present once more because by the time i i got to uh, I got off of work rather by the time I got off of work I I was too tired I I sometimes it didn't make sense to or I felt as though it didn't make sense to coincide with the public transit to get up to 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 where they were where things were being held at and I just also wasn't plugged into the community like that so uh I, I reflect back on this as as another big moment because I've now entered in a new space and a new season of my life, if you will. And, and this, this moment is what largely, largely like kicked things into overdrive where I was just like, Adrian, you, you you can't do this no more. You, you've got to ignite this audacity within you to, to go after what you want to stand firmly in what you believe in. And to take those bold risks so that you can live life without fear and control what you can control. Um, so as such, that's how that that was the the really those those were the big igniting catalysts that ultimately came to a head back in 2018 uh, to, to really start this project. So with that being said, I would I would love to take a moment to just reflect and, and and give our respects to not only those three but also everyone else that has been uh, subject to unfair instances of violence now to give a little bit more context to to this project at large um, it's it's inherently audacious in its scope because, truth be told, if you ask anybody, they would probably tell you I am not a quote unquote podcaster, um, and, and I'm trying to figure it out as I go. They might say, "Hey, you're not a researcher," and again, I'm trying to figure it out as I go, and it's it's very much a situation where. It, it just takes I it just takes audacity at the end of the day. Like I I'm very much so betting that because 
I think that I can do something and because I'm willing to put in the effort, willing to put in the work towards achieving my goals to, to take these bold risks, to, to give back to the community, I think that I will be able to, and I know that I'll be able to, even though society might say that I don't have all the tools or uh, the credibility or the experience just yet to suggest like why I'm doing this. However, again, I'm willing to bet that it takes audacity. And so I decided to go with this platform because this is something that is unfamiliar to me. Uh, there are many unknowns along the way. However, um, y'all, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm having a lot of fun with it and I'm learning so much along the way. So no matter where this project goes, um, uh, I'm, I'm okay because I get a chance to, to, again, interview these local community change agents that have been able to tap in to audacity in their own rights, being able to uh, uh, sort of give back to a community and give these community change agents uh, a platform to talk about the dope work that they're doing so that we can learn from it, so that we can give more elevation to, to their work and hopefully being able to propel each other and lift each other up in that nature. So at, at the end of the day, there's a lot of folks tapping into audacity. You don't have to just take it from me. And that's why I want to bring in the entire community so that we can collect and preserve those blueprints. And with that being said, uh, for today's episode and, and before we get into some of the future episodes and being able to sort of talk to those community change agents, I actually want to start off with, with uh, someone that's very close to me for the, for this first episode. So during this episode, we're, we're going to have a back and forth, uh, with, with this person that is very, very, you know, she, she's been there with me from day one. And, and that person is none other than my mother. The reason why is because my mother has been very instrumental and very involved in every step of this process. And, and she's given me copious amounts of of encouragement along the way and truly believing that I can achieve whatever I put my mind to and really helping helping fuel and ignite that audacity within me so a large reason why I also want to make sure that I, I get a chance to start with her is because there's she she's had let's see what's the best way to put this we're, we're gonna get into the story a little bit later so i don't want to uh, give the drop there but we we've had our own bouts with struggle with poverty with things of that nature and i know that she had many dreams that ended up becoming dreams deferred due to um due to her environment due to her situations and and things of that nature and one of those dreams was actually uh, to be a journalist, to be an interviewer. And while that never came to fruition and she's gone on to do uh, various other things, um, I, I thought it'd be very full circle that one of these projects that I'm working on that's specifically tailored to one of her former dreams and passions, she'd be able to to help me get things started off on the right foot. Um, so, Mom, I know you're going to listen. So big shout out to you. Love you dearly. And thank you for participating in, in in this project and for your willingness to help propel me and move me forward. Uh, so with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the action. 
hey, good people, sorry for the disruption, but believe it or not, we got to pay some bills. So we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Listen, this thing called life is hard. Think back to those early school days where teachers taught us algebra and Shakespeare, but not how to write a budget, invest for retirement, navigate the politics of work. You know, the stuff that actually matters, right? If only there were someone or something to help make that transition to adulthood a little smoother. Well, lucky for y'all, I have a friend on a mission to bridge that gap. So let me introduce y'all to Amanda Henry. Amanda is a digital strategist at Google, millennial women in tech advocate, and the founder of Lady Boss Finance. Lady Boss Finance is a platform focused on empowering women on the essence of making money moves while unapologetically going after everything life has to offer. She brings over eight years of experience in the art of living an intent-filled life while navigating the unknowns of career, marriage, and financial independence. Check her out on Instagram at Lady Boss Finance or www.amandajhenry.com to sign up for her upcoming bootcamp where she'll be teaching how to secure the corporate bag and manage your finances. Again, that's at Lady Boss Finance on Instagram or www.amandajhenry.com. So Adrian, um, I wanted to just talk to you about the Audacity Project. And um, you've obviously done a lot of work to get to this juncture in your life. Mm -hmm. But I would like to know, um, how did you um, come up with the name? Well, honestly, it's it's been a couple years in the making at this point. When I think about audacity, uh, typically it's associated with a negative connotation, right? Meaning that if, if someone tells you that you've got audacity, they probably mean it negatively to, mm-hmm. to try and deter you from whatever it is, that action that you were doing. Uh, typically, I've seen this done in a black and white dynamic. So mm-hmm. growing up in school, my teachers wanted me to be smart, but they didn't want me to be too smart. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to be spoken, but not to be outspoken. They wanted me to really to really fit within the box that mm-hmm. they wanted me to be in. But if I ever like outgrew that box, suddenly now I became a nuisance to the classroom. And so it's kind of been this idea at the back of my mind in terms of why is it that these kids that aren't even as smart as me that are nowhere near my level of intellect, but they are allowed to get away with so much. Mm-hmm. And while, while I'm over here being policed every single step of the way, and it, it was just, it, it was tough. And I, I just realized that they they were allowed to be audacious and I wasn't. So that So so when you said the negative connotation, it was like almost like how dare you? Exactly. How dare you? And there's a there's some books on that how um I dare you, but how dare you be that audacious to think outside the box. So I understand where you're coming from. Um so with the audacity project, like you said, there's a negative connotation, but what are some of the positives um that you've been able to glean from the negative experience um coming or the negative connotation with that word? Well, really it just comes from observance. Mm-hmm. Um I think that Due to the racial dynamics in America, if you are allowed to prosper and to experience the realm of audacity, mm-hmm. um, specifically if someone enables you to be able to to do so, 
really you can live life without fear. You can literally do any and everything that you set your mind to. I remember uh, it, it was a couple of years ago. I was at an adventure park. Uh, I was interning with a local DC public school, and it was maybe myself and probably twenty young black kids from DC, mm-hmm. age thirteen to fourteen, and we're at an adventure park where it, we're we're like thirty feet high up in the trees zip lining climbing doing things that none of us had ever done before and me trying to set a right example for them to show them that yeah we 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 can we can actually do this even though this is something that is scary for you it's just a mental thing so now we're going to push through it something that was so profound to me was that there was this there was this there was this uh white woman with her with her son her son might be was like three years old and he's on the medium course with us up there and he was just crying. He was just crying like, mommy, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And she said, nope, they're going to wait. And we're going to wait until you get past this hurdle so that we can continue on with the course. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, on one hand, I was just like, man, like, what is this little three-year-old doing up here? Like, like, what is he, what is he doing up here? Why is he up here? He shouldn't be up here. I wouldn't have been up there if I was three years old. However, he got past it. And, and I just thought to myself, like, wow it's examples like this in which he will grow up thinking that the world is mine like there is no stone that will be left unturned after his time is done like if i want to go do it i will be able to go and do so Mm -hmm. so it, it more so comes from this idea of just like observing what can be done and observing like how they live when they don't have to 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 live within those those self-imposed uh regulations and and restrictions if you will Mm -hmm. okay well well that segues into um you know i I, i've been around quite you know i've been around the world a little bit and um i want i've seen a lot of projects come and go a lot of great projects come and go um taking on that that bite when you uh, mentioned the three-year-old um saying that he can take on the world that he will have that in his mindset that i can do this and there's no there are no limits what makes your project different than other projects uh other um ventures that rich and poor aspirational no aspirations um than other projects what's what's the niche or what makes audacity project different than others uh i think at its core it's this idea that i'm not supposed to be doing this mm-hmm. and yet i'm still going to do it anyway but i'm going to even think bigger than this because it's not about me it's about the community so as such i'm going to be tapping into the the stories and the blueprints of folks that are doing some incredible work mm-hmm. because my thought here is that if audacity is a form of resistance, right? If that's the if that's the core of resistance right then and there, like all resistive change has to happen through audacity. It has to happen through people or folks or groups or whatever saying that we want to challenge the status quo. We have to make sure that we preserve those blueprints along the way. We we have to preserve those blueprints. So therefore, I want to make sure that I tap into different sectors of uh, of the community and and tap into the work that they've been doing and allow them to 
to have the platform to just talk about what they've done and give us the blueprint and give us a step-by-step detailing of this is this is what I did. This is what anybody can do. And these are some things that you should look out for along the way. And if I had to do it better, this is probably how I would do so. Because if I can take these blueprints in Oakland, for example, maybe that can inspire someone out in Chicago because they want to do something similar, but they just don't have representation. And so my thought here is that if if I'm able to to take these and disseminate this across the across the United States and just allow for that that inter community bonding, if you will, the 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 sharing of knowledge that I think doesn't happen enough as it should, there's really nothing that can't stop us. There there really will be nothing that can't stop us, especially as our our community continues to be under attack. It continues to be policed. It continues to be uh, heavily oppressed and scrutinized and what have you. So I just want to make sure that I do my part in, in tapping into these experts because that's what they are. They they are subject matter experts in their own respective fields, no matter if it's in activism, business, education, entrepreneurship, um, spiritual work, like no matter what the case is, we've got folks that are experts and that can give us a, a great blueprint to operate from. And so this is the case of just making sure that we re, that we pour back into the community and we don't try to recreate the wheel. Re- resistance doesn't just happen all in one fell swoop. It takes time. It's like building blocks. It's step by step, brick by brick. So therefore, I'm just making sure that I collect all these different bricks and show that you don't have to start at, start at step one when this individual is actually at step 30. And he, they're going to give you a shortcut to how to go from step zero to step 25. And then you go from there. And that's how we, we shorten down these these resistive uh these these forms of resistance that might take multiple generations to happen might actually happen a lot sooner than that and that's the i, I think that's the the, the 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 boldness in that claim right then and there that i think that that can make that that can be happened as long as we just uh partake in this um aspect of of knowledge sharing is what makes it different okay so now i think the for for most, and I hope that you agree um, that community is the um, well. Everything is pretty much going to operate um, from the crucible of community. And with that said, um, what part does motivation play within your paradigm or within your model um, of audacity in the crucibles of community? So again, um, what part does motivation play um, within your paradigm of audacity? I think that specifically looking at it through the lens of community, they're, they're going to be a great source of potential inspiration. And I use potential because even though there's a lot of great work that's being done, you, you really, it, it hits different for everybody. So just because we both wear glasses doesn't mean we have the same prescription. So you, you can notice someone else is doing this fantastic work and that may not necessarily inspire you or invoke you to to want to do that same work however when it comes to audacity in particular while there is strength in community i also think there is is intrinsic motivation that's just inherent about audacity like you have to be you have to have that internal willingness at at the very least to want to enact on whatever dream it is because there is no one person no other person in this world that's going to have the exact same dream the exact same wants the exact same vision as you 
you're going to have to pull that out yourself. And therefore, while the community can be a source of strength, I think that audacity, the, the core there will be just willingness and, and, and intrinsic motivation. We can't rely on external factors, even though that we're talking about this inner community bonding here and this inner community strength. You still can't rely on that at its core to get out there and enact some of the things that you want to do and, and really take on form in terms of the, the type of dreams that you want to have for yourself and the type of vision that you have for yourself. So at the heart of it, self-motivation? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with the self-motivation, what three-point model, or if any, or how some like some of the um, projects that I've seen, they've had like a, a model that was maybe 10 point, four point. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about your model? Yeah. So uh, essentially along this idea of just intrinsic motivation and, and self-discipline, I, I like to think about audacity in three different lenses. Going from ideation to creation to eventual implementation. So can you restate that for me? Yeah. Ideation, creation, and eventual implementation. And essentially what I mean by that is ideation, that's the first step in this process. You're like, wow, I... I have this vision. I have this grand door that I that I want to achieve either in the community, long term vision for my life, whatever the case is. And that that's where it all starts. That's your that's your baby in essence. And then you get to the point of, all right, let let me start actually creating it. No matter how grand the idea might be, no matter how out of scope the idea might be, there has to be that 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 audacious leap to go from something in your head to actually putting forth the 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 creative prowess to bring that mm-hmm. idea to fruition. And then from there, now that you've got your product, it's about actually implementing said product. You've got to actually get whatever product or project or whatever the case is, you've got to actually get that out. And continue to enact it and let, let it sort of breathe, let, let it get its legs under and, and sort of run from there. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the lens that I like to think about um, or the three point model rather that I like to think about audacity because it veers away from just keeping things in the theoretical more. So I like to keep it in, in, in the or more so shift towards the practical and trying to see that we, we've all got a lot of great ideas and it's really going to be up to us to make sure that these ideas see the light of day. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I like the fact that you have the three point model, the ideation, creation, and implementation. Um, what part, like I've, I've seen a lot of projects come when they have the implementation, once they start executing, once they start implementing, they, they meet the resistance that you mentioned about audacity. What would you say to those who are doing amazing things or doing, um, or shall I say, breaking down those barriers on certain um, projects? What Once they get through or once they um, go through the ideation, creation, and implementation, how would you maintain that? What would you do, like, ideally? I think some people stop after they, like, they start executing, they meet some barriers, maybe it's financial or maybe um, coming up with um, like some rules that are implemented out of nowhere saying like, hey, you can't do X, Y and Z because you don't have a or you don't have this in place like to overcome that. Some people just stop. I think that 
when when you've got those periods of of just turbulence it's mm-hmm. really just turbulence at the end of the day turmoil mm-hmm. all that you've got to do a health check around just everyone around you because it's not just about you it's probably going to be about the family about your kids about your parents about your close friends or like whatever the case is um i think that you have to just take a conscious health check of of all the constituents that you've got that are depending on you mm-hmm. so let's say for example this is about a business or whatever that you're starting if this is about a business that you're starting and you've got to the implementation stage and you're getting hit with so much resistance you're it's not taking off the way that you want it to take off um I, I would encourage you to to just take some time to reflect on it. Try to figure out like if there's something that you just need to pivot within the current um, model that you're using. If you need to go back to the ideation and creation stage because you might have missed a couple of pieces, or simply you just might need to re-augment some things. Think about it before you just decide to to abandon the entire thing. So if I'm hearing you correctly, or so you so the three point model, the ideation, creation, implementation it's not like on a straight path you have to go back and refine something yeah absolutely. okay so, great so, so there's a refinement yeah element so to you'll, it. you'll okay. have to you'll have to refine things very much along the way no matter when it happens it's in particular depending to the degree of the resistance that you're being met with and the type of uh adversity that you're being faced that's when it can get a little bit tricky in terms of how much time you have for each of these things so if there was ever a case where you're pursuing your dreams and you do have to reassess your current financial status and you're like, these two things actually can't happen. I can't continue to pursue this dream while also like holding up my end of the financial obligations. Mm -hmm. Then now it's maybe not necessarily augmenting that specific dream, but maybe it's augmenting your life outside of that dream. Are there things that you can, you can give up along the way that will in turn allow you to continue to pursue your dream. And if that's not the case, if that's not possible, that's fine. Just create a plan for yourself to come back to it because there are so many dreams that that do make it to this implementation stage. Mm-hmm. And then we get hit with the adversity specifically and, and more often than not financial adversity and we just don't come back to it. And I think that it's a case of we can always come back to it once we get more money, but we have to stay diligent about that and stick to the plan if that's the case because otherwise – a dream deferred just come like it turns into a dream that was never actualized. When did your or your journey begin um, with audacity? I uh, will actually the the journey began back in uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. The journey began back in 2010. I was in maybe eighth grade going into ninth grade. So transitioning from middle school to high school. But it more so began with you and, and, and Prodigy. Mm-hmm. So I, I would love to hear a little bit more from you in terms of what did the foundational steps of Prodigy and just what is Prodigy? Why am I bringing this up in, in terms of 2010? Well, well, Prodigy, and by the way, can I um, By the way, um, Prodigy um, came about um, really because um, I had this desire to do something great, um, to bring these um, impresarios, not impresarios when it comes to pianos, 
but empresarios when it came to business minded um, people of enterprise, people who were daring and bold um, in, in entering the platform of business. And so that's why I wanted to develop the, um, or I had the vision and uh, for Prodigy 2020 Foundation. But what is it though? Um, Prodigy is a component that specializes on the, and touches on the four basic squares of life, which is um, what I developed was the four basic squares of life from the Abraham Maslow's um, pyramid um, scheme, which was um, social, economic, education, and health. I believe that as relational beings, we need those four components to be filled or those particular squares to be fulfilled um, in order to um, make it or to um, sustain ourselves in a society that depends on each other. So that is Prodigy 2020. What made you want to start Prodigy 2020? And um, how'd, you, how'd you even have the vision to do that when no one around you, you, well, you didn't come from a family that, that was entrepreneurial like that? Well, I can't really say like what I think it was because one of the squares was not fulfilled. And I always dreamed like if I was balanced, if I could have all of this, all of these are the capacity of my social square fulfilled, my economic square fulfilled, my education square fulfilled and my health fulfilled. And I just started working on what under the social square do I need to function every day in life? And this is just really true. What do I need economically to function every day in life? what about the education and health? And I said, well, if I could, I just started developing and started writing down in each square, what would fulfill me in my life. And then I said, what about this little model could help so many people um, if they knew how to use it and apply it, or like you said, practical or application. So that's how Prodigy um, came along. And it was not something like so far away. Everyone wanted to say, um, being an impresario or being a prodigy, that's just something that only one person or only the um, one person could be this one impresario, this one prodigy. And I refuse to believe that. I believe everybody is an impresario, is a prodigy in his or her own, or her own right. So what were some of the, I would say, the big crowning moments within your prodigy journey? Because this, even though the the big foundational pieces were laid in 2010 this was very like many more years in the making prior to that mm -hmm. but that's when you really started like putting boots to the ground and uh, beginning the the processes of beginning an llc not-for-profit everything of that nature correct that is correct so there was not necessarily a crowning moment I, well i could say I, I wore the crown from the beginning from the part like you said the a ideation more so a crowning moment by just like moments of success Moments of success is I measure it differently. I am when I, I say that I measure success differently. The crowning moment for me was, oh, let me go and understand and research what is an LLC. How can I make myself credible in the business world? So for me, those are crowning moments. It was not a financial component. It was me putting my ideation and to movement to action. And for that, even today, um, I haven't yielded the financial success of what society says but for me just the process trusting that process and going forward to me were moments that I reflect on all the time like some of the hiccups but some of the great things of sitting at the computer like okay I know how to do this I had I I understood the research I understood what business mm -hmm. was all about for me okay gotcha so what 
like along the way, you you didn't choose like a conventional way in terms of like uh, identifying some of those su- su- uh, successes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't didn't choose anything conventional in that regard. Can can you talk about some of the big events that you had to put on along the way, and and what was your experience with that? Um, some of my ground roots um events were focus groups. I you know, spoke with people of different ages, different, um, cultural backgrounds. Um, and then once I did that to see how I could generate, um, revenue, I did one of the largest, um, veterans 5k in the Chicago land area. Um, so I put on a couple of those and, and the fascinating part was I wanted to prove that a small, um, business entrepreneur as myself could attract a world-class, um, Mm -hmm. audience. And I did that with no advertising, um, that when I say no advertising from big, um, advertising company or endorsement, I was able to reach a global runner, um, for one of my five K's. And, um, I thought that was pretty awesome. And I, when I did that, that was just on email campaigns and those were things that I built myself and, uh, and, it was not built on just notoriety. I, sh- I, I sold the um, or promoted the idea of help and hope. And I think and that a belief in itself of helping each other. And so that attracted world-class runners. Absolutely. I mean, being able to do that with no big advertising, mm-hmm. like backing or, or even city backing, if you will. Someone, someone like yourself just being able to do that because you said that you wanted to do that. I think that's something that a lot of people would want to do. They're just like, man, like how how would I even go about that? And and you talk about, yeah, I, I did this just by taking my computer, just doing the research, and being in love with the process because you you were in love with the vision, no matter how, which way it went, right? That's if right. It, if if you were gonna go down the path of just a expansive notoriety and just all types of press coverage like that would be fine and if it didn't even work out that way too that was going to be fine as well that's right thank you no problem so within your journey as well we, we always love to hear the underdog story where the underdog comes in defies all the odds and and makes it out on top this journey wasn't exactly linear like that that's right. Uh, specifically back in 2013. Could you could you tell us a little bit more about what 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 happened back in 2013? What what went wrong? Mm, the I didn't well if I if I'm totally just take the emotions out of it from just purely business I did not do the refinement process. And, and refinement, I don't care if you're in business or whatever you are in life, you have to continually do a refinement process, go and see where the deficits. And I didn't want to look back. I hated looking back. I really mm-hmm. did. I didn't want to go back and see like, whoa, I need to change the scope. I need to change the vision. I need to not necessarily the vision, but the objectives and right. to see where I do not have the support, the infrastructure. And I did not have the infrastructure and I did not do the refinement because I was afraid to go back and like, Oh my gosh, I have to put, I have to come to a halt and I should have done that sooner rather than later. And then since I did not do those important steps, the refinement process and um, to totally go back and check the objectives um, to see, Hey, I don't have the, um, the infrastructure. I don't have the, um, the team 
that I need to sustain me to move forward and everything just bottom out financially. Um, it turned our world upside down. And when you say that it turned our world upside down, what mm-hmm. do you mean? Meaning that we had to uproot. We became homeless immediately. Um, really at the turn of the 20, yeah, at, at the, really the end of November of 2012. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was down spiraling end of November, 2012. And so at that point, I probably should have pulled out a business probably around June of 2012. So I, I, again, I refused to, because I was going on a hope and a dream. And, and if I could share anything with business professionals or aspiring entrepreneurs who are undergoing that dream, that ideation, creation, implementation phase, if you already know that it is going to be a deficit. Don't be afraid to pull out. It's not a sign of failure. I looked at it as a sign of failure, mm-hmm. but it's truly, it was truly a sign of let's refine the process. And if you do it that way and, and, and go back and truly have a process and don't just like, Oh, it's not going to happen. It can happen. It may just have to be delayed for a while. So at the end in, in 2013, by November, 2013, we had lost absolutely everything. We had to leave, I had to pull you out of school. Um, and we had to relocate to Georgia. Mm. So yeah, we had to relocate to Georgia. Um, and then at that time we didn't have anywhere to live. We lived with my mother, um, for a short period of time. And, and mind you that not only you, we had had a comfort of not necessarily it was a comfort, but we were living okay. When I said we were still in the struggle since I had um, transitioned from the military, but I had never lived in the projects in my life. So those were things that were life altering for us. We had to move into the projects. Yeah. And that's, and that's true. And that's what I mean in terms of understanding the, the scope beyond you as a person, just understanding mm-hmm. who are the different stakeholders, who are your different constituents that, um, might be impacted by the, the, the audacity to chase this dream. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as my mom was saying, yeah, it, it was, she had to pull me out of school. It was November of 2013. I'm mm-hmm. smack dab in the middle of senior year. And going into senior year, I had this entire vision for myself. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be the captain of the football team. I'm about to apply to all these different colleges um, I'm about to go to homecoming. I'm about to go to prom. I'm about to do all these different things. And, and that's how senior year is going to go. It's going to be a great send off before college starts. And then um, get I, I'll never forget. I get home from football practice one, one day and my mom says, yeah, take take a seat. We're, we're going to have to ro- uh, relocate. We're going to have to move down to Georgia. It was it was tough. Mm hmm. It was very tough. It was like, I, I, I swear I sunk back into the middle of my seat. I'm just like, wow. Like, what do you mean by that? And and I remember trying to figure out, like, man, maybe I could stay with uh, some of my friends and and, and what have you. Because I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to lose this experience because that's what it was. It was a senior year experience. But ultimately, uh, you made the decision that I was going to have to uh, go down there with y'all. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was a really tough that was a really tough moment for us. That that was the toughest moment that I've ever experienced. I'm assuming it's the toughest moment that mm-hmm. you've ever experienced as well. Because um, prior to that point, I think 
I think you did a damn good job in terms of instilling that audacity within me. You, you always gave me encouragement to pursue whatever it is that I wanted to pursue. You were like, yo, if you want to go be a basketball player, I don't think you're going to be good at it, but you might <laughs> go ahead and go do that. You want to be a like, football player? No, no, no. <laughs> Tell the whole story What's about that story? moment. I have, What's the whole story? The whole story is that you came home and like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be like Michael Jordan. And I was like, I'm, I don't think so. <laughs> I was like, you're not that good of a basketball player. I'm like, you treat the basketball like a hot potato. Then you just like, oh, okay. Then the next day you came home. It's like, mom, <laughs> I'm no longer a basketball player. I joined the football team. And I was like, yeah, great. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And that was the truth because I think we just have totally distorted. Like, you can be all that you want to be. That is not true. I want it to be a certain I disagree part. with that. You I think, cannot be what I, I you, think you always, what you want to be. I just think, well, hold on. Just hear me out because there's there are two sides to that. But if you don't want me to talk about it, I'll... I'm, I'm just okay, saying, just, I'll like, just close that yeah, out. Yeah, like, I, I disagree with that fundamentally because one of my favorite quotes is from this philosopher named Descartes. And it's it says, I think, therefore I am. Now, he used that originally to, to prove the existence of, of his human nature. Mm -hmm. By his ability to think, that means that he is a human, so therefore, he like he thought, therefore, he was. However, I look at it as a little bit different. I, I use it in terms of manifestation and looking forward. So therefore, if I think, if I believe that I will be the greatest at something, therefore, I said, am the greatest something, at something. As so hold on, just let me... Okay, on. go ahead. So... Therefore, I will be the greatest at something. That doesn't mean it'll happen overnight. That doesn't mean it'll happen a year from now. But what it does mean is that now I am going to augment my steps and make those intentional and purposeful to get me to that point. And it starts at that core belief of I think this, I believe this, therefore I will become this. But jumping back into uh, what, what senior year ended up looking mm -hmm. like for me was getting pulled, get, getting pulled out of school and like not having an opportunity to to go to school from November to August. So November of 2013 to August of 2014. And in the midst of that process, it was, it was tough because I was left to apply for college applications by myself. Um, you, you had your own separate set of challenges that you were going through. So I was left to mm -hmm. uh, write and revise all of the essays on my own. Mm -hmm. I was applying to very, very competitive colleges because I didn't have the best insight in terms of, what type of list that I should create in terms of reach schools, match schools, safety schools, and what have you. So I was, I was shooting for the moon. I was shooting for the moon in terms of, yeah, if I can get into one of these top schools, they'll pay my whole way. Cause we obviously don't have any money. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what I was shooting for. And I got hit with so many rejections along the way. I got hit with so many rejections along the way. And it was one of those cases where I thought that my audacity would literally work against me in terms of not being able to to take that next step past college not being able to take that or taking that next pet, uh, step past high school so that was that was one of the defining moments in terms of the the journey of my audacity and I would say like our audacity for that matter mm -hmm. because it was such a huge absence of it at that time um because I I then decided to to let my sense of self-worth come from these external these external institutions. I said, well, if I can't get into this school, then that means I'm obviously not good enough. 
and, and I decided to inextricably link the two. And so from there, like like the audacity was at an all-time low. I, I, I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, I was experiencing early forms of depression. I literally lost everything that had probably made me great up until that point in one fell swoop. It was like the floor just getting swept out from, from under you at that point. And I, and I wouldn't wish that upon nobody because that type of dark space that it can put you, um, mm -hmm. it, it, it only gets amplified by the, the sometimes toxic environment that you're then introduced into as well. And and from there, when you talked about how we had to move in with grandma, man, man, you remember how everybody had just like turned their back on us. Yeah. They everybody's just talking about us, like, oh, Rosalind did this, Rosalind did that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. it's just like it was, it was just a like a whole wow. bunch of noise. And and I don't know if we like when I go to like the the depth of our darkness um, that we experienced together. Um, I just remember still I could still I still had that flame inside I still had that hope it was way down deep and it and I just remember getting down on my knees one night and I was like Lord either you take me and make sure Adrian's taken care of whatever you have to do I don't want to live like this anymore I want to you know I want to live again I want to hope again and that is true and I do that even to this day but I was like I don't want him to to hurt anymore and, and I just remember always praying I said like, if, if this is the end for me let it be but let Adrian go on and have a great life and and revive him and that was my prayer always and I was like it was so dark and I don't even know how we even um pulled ourselves up and I don't think we did and I just think that that God just you know relit the flame for us what he had already buried deep inside. So um, that was a revival. And I think that was something that you experienced. And I didn't want to experience it without you. And I, I think that was a selfish part of me. Um, that was the human part of me. Like, I don't want, you know, Adrian to go through this, but I didn't want to go through it without you. And I don't even know how to explain that. But then once we were so deep in it, um, I guess I, as a mother, you want your, your kids to always experience the success of you, but then you had to experience it, experience the sweet and the bitter or the bitter and the sweet with me. But then when I got so deep in it, I was like, Lord, deliver him out of all of this. And, and I just remember praying that prayer one night cause I was just so depressed. I was so like, so done with everything. Um, and it wasn't just an economic thing. It was, that what he had given me that I always believe that God just endowed me with that part of hope and dreams. I I remember being nine years old, knowing like how my life was going to flesh out. Never saw myself in certain capacities or in certain areas of life, but I always knew business would be the foresight. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And people, it may, you know, some people may become billionaires or whatever, but I just love the process of, organizing the process of taking small chunks of something and building a foundational, um, a building blocks concept. Um, but going back to what you were saying about like with the family component and, um, yeah, I, I don't know how to explain that other than it's a hurting thing when, when, 
people laugh about your failure or mock your failure or judge your failures in life, it's not a good thing. And even while while talking about it, I feel a hole. I feel a, a emptiness. But my faith will sustain me. And yeah. It will sustain you too. Yeah, my faith was very rocky during that time. Mm-hmm. Very rocky. Me and God still have a very. He has the last we have, word. We have, an, we have a long-standing relationship that's definitely not linear. Like I'm, I'm glad that you had like a very like double down uh, mm-hmm. experience with him. I didn't. I didn't at all. Mm-hmm. I was very much so angry. I was angry at you. I was angry at him. Yeah, I was absolutely. angry at just yeah. at our family. I was angry at everybody. Um. But the but the thing about you is I I didn't you I know you was hurt but you still had that strength even I don't think you even knew like you to me um like when you were saying like you had to apply for the applications but you were so disciplined with it you got up every day in our um project apartment got online even though we had dial up at some point I think we had to do dial up for a minute or mm-hmm. maybe not but anyway um the sister the internet was very slow. Uh, was shut down, but you got up every day before you had to go to work and we won't give them any publicity, but before you had to go to work Mm -hmm. and, um, and then, um, you had to apply, um, online and like the rejections came, but you did get some, you know, hits from some small colleges, but I knew your, your goal was, um, to do, go to a better, you know, to have better than what was being offered to you. Absolutely. But your writing was impeccable. I must say, your writing became stronger. But you always say, Mom, I'm not a great writer. I'm like, yes, you are. But your writing to get into those college, I think that came from where you were in that dark place. Yeah, it did come from where I was in that dark dark place coupled with audacity because it was just some of the most off-the-cuff mm-hmm. writing that I've ever done to this date in terms of just talking about what I was going through, trying to put a pen and paper in that regard, and just really expressing uh, a lot of the the dark range of emotions that I felt at that time, and I, I thank God every day that yeah. that that we were delivered from that situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't happen overnight. No, it did not happen overnight. It took a very long time. Yes. But, um, I, I think going back to that idea of audacity helped helped get us out of that situation because. Mm-hmm. What you ended up doing was pivoting from the career that you went before mm-hmm. and then the entrepreneurial endeavor that turned sour from there. You ended up saying, okay, I've learned a lot in this experience. I think that despite the, the, despite the turmoil that it's caused in this context, mm-hmm. I can apply it in another context. And then you you went into the educational field. Yeah. You said that I, I can I, it doesn't have to be either or. I can infuse these business teachings within this new context and, and re jumpstart your entire career. And yeah. and you had never been in the classroom prior to never. that point. But never. that's that's what it allowed you to do. From for me, I would say when I got to college, I was on a mission. I was on a mission where I'm not even supposed to be here. This school messed up letting me in, but I got this opportunity. Do I think it was affirmative action? That's neither here nor there, and it doesn't really matter yeah. because, and that's literally how I was thinking about it. It doesn't really matter. I don't care what they say because I'm here now. So now, yeah. what am I about to do with it? Absolutely. So I'm just like, man, I'm I'm in here trying to figure out how to get the most out of this experience, an experience that I shouldn't have had, and and I think that's where 
my audacity kicked back in. So along mm-hmm. the way, I, I had uh, a lot of a lot of fantastic experiences. Um, one of those being uh, having the opportunity to to write and publish a book mm-hmm. um, during my junior year of college called Attend a Hustler's Guide to Hacking College. And essentially, it, it is for any students that feel like they've reached a point of academic stagnation and showing them that it this this collegiate game and this academic game isn't really an intellectual game by any means. It's more so about it's more so a strategy game and, and being able to leverage all of the different optics and nuances and just minute ineptitudes within the collegiate system in mm-hmm. your favor. And these things have nothing to do with intellect, but they will help you unlock your academic potential because that's how I approach the game. I did not think I was the smartest person in school, but I said I could probably work the hardest and I could probably mm-hmm. outsmart this entire system. Did I outsmart the entire system? Absolutely not. But <laughs> do I think that I outsmarted some aspects of the system? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And I was able to turn uh, some of those cards in my favor. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I thank God every day that we've been able to turn around that dark mm-hmm. point and turn that into uh, the, the experiences from that into um, into very much so a, a light in our lives, but not only our lives, the lives of other folks that we've been able to help and inspire along the way. But mom, before before we go, mm-hmm. I got one question for you. Okay. As I continue to 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 undergo this journey with the Audacity Project and and wherever it may takes me, I'm I know it's gonna be a fantastic journey. No matter if it's good, bad, right or wrong, like I know that I am in love with this process. I'm committed to this process, and I'm going to stay aware within this process. And this idea of of moving forward, mm-hmm. I would love to get a better understanding for you in terms of what does the progression of audacity look like? Well, well, first and foremost, I want you to know that I want you to always drown out the noise. Anything mm-hmm. that comes in that's adversarial toward your vision and objectives, drown it out, muff it out, whatever you have to do. But um, audacity project, um, as far as, um, how I know you and where you will take this project, um, it will always have a transcendent effect. I know we hear a lot about transactional transformation. Those things are short lived. They are, but transcendency. And I've heard you speak about community. I've heard you speak about community, um, that business of help, that component. I want to help at large. I want to help on a national level. I want to help on the global level. I want to help those who are eager to go from ideation to creation to implementation. So for me, um, the progressive nature is that Audacity Project has an engineering component. When I mean what I mean by engineering is that you are going to um, construct help people to construct and build structure on a continuum um, and, and show them that refinement process that that's needed as you, as they build and as they break down barriers on certain projects that they're working on in their community. And the progressive nature also entails that you offering that platform to help um, amplify um, their missions and their goals um, that are important to the the human race in general, because we have to be in this all together. It's not just project A, project B alone. 
it is the entire alphabet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's the entire alphabet. It is the entire body uh, within our nation and in our world to help all of the moving parts get to um, a purpose a purpose-driven society, a purpose-driven life. Um, and so I, I, I believe that Prodi um, Prodigy, I'm sorry, Audacity Project slash Prodigy, but um, the Audacity Project is um, that that moving force, the moving parts of um, the entire force. How about that? Gotcha. The moving parts of the entire force. Audacity I like that. Be the, moving, the moving parts of the entire force. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for the insight and thank you for. Um, Wait, can I clarify that? Go ahead. OK, so you offering a platform for all of the moving parts mm -hmm. of the entire force. That's a great clarification. Yes. Yeah. All the, all the moving parts, no matter what sector you fall into within mm -hmm. the community, the goal is to tap into you. The goal is to uh, allow you to to have agency over your own narrative and bring it to the platform and, and have the agency to 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 just tell the story that you want to tell across this platform and then be able to proliferate and disseminate that across the, across the world. So with that being said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for blessing the first episode of the audacity project. Blessing Mom. the mic. Blessing the mic. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Um, thank you. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this project takes me. I'm excited to see where this project takes us. Uh, and, and more so thank you to all those that have, uh, helped me get to this point mom yes. thank you so much for having you, the Adrian. for having the vision to keep going even when it seemed like you shouldn't for having the vision mm -hmm. to keep going even when our family even said that you shouldn't keep going mm -hmm. so uh thank god every day that you're my mom i thank god every day that you're here uh so with that being said uh tune in next week as we'll get into some of these different blueprints of uh, uh some of the local community change agents that we got out here in oakland california Good job, Adrian. Proud of you. <laughs> uh, once again, my name is Adrian Abrams, and I'm the host of the Audacity Project. I'm signing off, and I'll see y'all next week. Let's get it. Mm -hmm.